While they're doing that, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 20. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Go to the middle of your Bible and go write a few books. All right. I want to talk to you. Uh, I'm, not, I'm going to do it different again this morning. I'm not going to really read the, the text so much up front as we're, we're going to just sort of go through it verse by verse. So uh, we're going to start in uh, Jeremiah chapter 20 at verse 7. So, and then go through the rest of the chapter, verses 18. So, we're going to look at these. Um, and looking at this, I just want to show you some of the things that I feel the Lord has laid on my heart uh, that, that we can hopefully help us today and encourage us. But I want to ask you this morning, with all this going on in our country, you may watch the news and just get sick and tired of all this mess. Sort of depressing, isn't it? And you, want, you hear a lot of people say, you know, I think we're beyond the point of no return. I'm not sure what would straighten out our country, uh, what would fix that. And, and I don't want to be depressed this morning. You can sit and watch it on the news and get depressed enough, so I don't want you to do it here too. But sometimes we just feel like quitting or throwing in the towel. What's the point? Why do this? Nobody's going to listen. Nobody cares. Uh, and then it can really wear on you. Uh, I want you to be thinking this morning, have I ever just wanted to quit? Am I just alone on that? Am I by myself? Uh, maybe at work. Have you ever quit a job at work? I worked one, a job one day one time and said, that's enough for me. It was crazy. They wanted me to drive all over in downtown Atlanta speeding. They wanted me to speed because it was for a rental car. I was with the fire department, part-time job. You don't really care. But we had to take our cars and drive them from, say, the airport up to Marietta. And how we got paid is how many cars we delivered a day. And there was no way to make any money unless you drove 80 and 90 miles an hour around downtown Atlanta all day long. And one day of that, and I said, nope, not no more. So I quit. <laughs> so we've all wanted to quit our work. We've all gotten discouraged and wanted to throw in the towel and maybe school. Uh, we were concerned about our nation. Is it, would it do any good if I even said anything? Uh, what, what can I do to change it? What about a home? Uh, any of you had kids, had children that grew up to be teenagers? I know you wanted to quit. You know, you wanted to throw in the towel. is is difficult. Uh, children are difficult. They can be a challenge, but they're one of the greatest blessings there are. How about a marriage? Yep, I've been there wanting to do that too, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. But it, it can be difficult sometimes when we go through things. And uh, how about at church? You ever just wanted to get out of a church? I don't want to be there no more. This is miserable. I can't change it. Can't do nothing about it. They don't like me. Preacher, don't talk to me. You come up with a thousand reasons why you ought to quit church. Well, how about with God? Uh-oh. Well, Brother Kenny, I don't know how you could even suggest such a thing. Well, that's what I want to talk to you about today. I mean, we want to quit a lot of things. We get discouraged with a lot of things. And, and yes, I, with God. Maybe some of you are sitting here today and say, Brother Kenny, I have never, ever, never thought of that kind of thing. Well, good. You just sit there and pray for the rest of us. It can be discouraging trying to follow and trying to know what's to do and reading God's Word. And, and, and have you ever just tried to do your best, teach Sunday school, teach vacation Bible school, come to church, uh, be a deacon, be whatever. And it just seems like the ministry that God's called you to, maybe you witness to people at work or school or wherever you're at, just seems come uh, that nobody cares and it's overbearing. And, and you try to pray and you ask God things and God, all heaven is silent. Anybody ever been there? My, my prayers don't get past the ceiling. I don't know anything about God. I can't figure this out. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm just going to do my thing. I know I'm saved by grace, but I can't do this anymore. I can't figure it out. 
I don't know who, why or where, the, uh, what, who this message is for today, but God's laid it on my heart, and, and I'm about 100% certain that I know the Lord's given me this message for someone today to encourage them, maybe for myself, maybe for others. But I want to talk about the Jeremiah the prophet. Uh, he grew up in, in a, an, Anathoth, uh, at the time when idolatry flourished in Judah. Children, the children of Israel were being sacrificed to false idols. Uh, the law was disregarded and disobeyed. It looked as though there were no hope for the nation. The priest had no influence. They were outcasts. They, nobody uh, appreciated what they were doing. Nobody cared what they were doing. Didn't want to hear from them and didn't want to hear from a prophet. That sounds vaguely familiar. Now we're not sacrificing our children to false idols, but we're sacrificing our children to, the, the, to our ideals. That's what we're doing with, with abortion. I mean, just because they want to abort a child doesn't mean that they no longer a mother or a father. That just means they got rid of it. But the fact remains, and, and a lot of people are aborting children because it's my choice. So you've become the idol now. I know that's pretty tough. And I know that's difficult. Say, well, Brother Kenny, you just don't understand. No, I understand. I know there's difficult things, and I know there's struggles, and I, I know different things, but, but abortion is not a means of, of uh, contraceptive. And that's what they're using it for. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and if I get pregnant, oh, I'll just get rid of it. That's the mentality of this world. And it, we're not much further than where Israel was during the time that Jeremiah was born. Jeremiah was one of the scripture's greatest examples of faithfulness and, and then taking action in the face of physical danger and national decay. We live in a country of national decay. It's almost dangerous to mention the name of God. It's almost dangerous anymore to mention Jesus Christ, isn't it? Jeremiah felt, went through much of like we did here. He was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, he preached for 42 years. For 42 years, God called him to be the prophet, to, to send God's message and warning to the people of Israel that they have fallen away from God, that they've, they're not walking according to his commands and his law. And, and telling them that they need to repent and turn back to the Lord or God was going to judge them. That was Jeremiah's wonderful message for 42 years. Now, how'd you like to be in that messenger? You know, I'm, I'm glad when God gives me an encouraging and uplifting message that I can come in here and just try to encourage you and, and help you to get through your week and, and to see things differently. And, and I want to do that again this morning. But I couldn't imagine every day I'd have to come here and say, you're doing wrong. God's going to judge you. You're doing wrong. God's going to judge for 42 years. He warned kings. He warned priests. He warned the, the people of Israel. God is going to judge you if you don't turn back to him. Uh, although we know him as a, as a, he is a mighty man, the, the scripture records him as a mighty man, according to 1 Chronicles 5.24. But we know him more as the weeping prophet. Anybody ever heard of Jeremiah as the weeping prophet? And some of the people think weeping as a sign of weakness, not in Jeremiah's case. Jeremiah was very bold in his message, uh, even to the point that he was ridiculed and criticized and, and beaten and all the rest. And I've got to get my water or I'm not going to make it through this. But Jeremiah uh, was a weak, they refer to him as a weeping prophet. And a lot of people look at weeping as a sign of weakness. But the, the Bible, the fact is, the Bible says that he was a mighty man of valor. Uh, he was a very strong man. 
But you know, Jeremiah was miserable in doing the will of God. Really struggled with it at times. He's like, what, Brother Kenny? What are you talking about? See, what I wanted to bring out to you today, and I want to look at Jeremiah, one of my most favorite prophets, I guess, of the Old Testament. I like them all. But I guess because I weep, I sort of compare myself a lot to Jeremiah. I didn't have the message he had, the hardship he had, but I, I like, I weep, or not like to weep, but, but I weep sometimes when the Holy Spirit's moving, when I'm feeling the, the God's uh, love and compassion, and I just want to worship. Some people raise their hands, some people dance, some people sing. I stand and weep. And so Jeremiah, I guess, is a favorite to me because I think we have some things in common. And I look at Jeremiah and think, wow, what a great man of God. Look at the things that he had. Look at the boldness that he had to stand before kings and, and priests and to just proclaim God's message no matter what. I'm like, wow, couldn't I be like that? And you might do that. You might look at the Apostle Paul and say, boy, why couldn't I be like Paul? Why couldn't I be more like Peter? If you want that, God help you. No, I'm kidding. Peter was a good man, but boy, he could run his mouth. And a lot of you got that trait, yeah. But maybe there's a Bible character, Moses, Joshua, that you just look at and think, wow, Lord, why couldn't I ever just be like that? And we compare ourselves to these patriarchs of the Bible and, and Abraham of such great faith, and I'll never measure up. Anybody ever done that? Just look like characters of the Bible and say, I just can't do that, Lord. That's not me. I want you to look at Jeremiah. Well, let's look at his message. And in Jeremiah 5, and you don't have to turn there, just write it down. This was his message that God would tell him for 40-something years. Jeremiah 5, 22 and 23 says, Do you not fear me? This is the Lord speaking through Jeremiah. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble in my presence? For I have placed the sand as a boundary for the sea, an eternal decree so that it cannot cross over it. Though the waves toss, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot cross over it. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. God's saying, people, in my presence, don't it cause you to tremble? Don't you know that the, the billions and billions of gallons of water in the ocean, I control it with just a thin thread of sand around its edges? It can't cross over it because I don't allow it. Sometimes he allows it. But the, sand, the, the ocean crashes and what we've seen ships sunk. We've seen uh, cities destroyed over waves and what great power the water has. And God says, I control it with just a strip of sand all around its borders. And you, can't, you don't even tremble in my presence. You don't keep my commandments. And this was Jeremiah's message with many others for 40-something years his message was dangerous, and, and his message that, that people were hearing, uh, that, the, that the people hearing was, uh, called uh, Jeremiah a traitor. Uh, the message that he spoke, would, they would say, Jeremiah, what you're saying, you're a traitor to Israel. Uh, he would be misunderstood, he'd be persecuted, arrested, imprisoned, and more than once his life was in danger. The nation didn't want to hear the truth, but Jeremiah told them plainly that they were defying the Lord, disobeying the law, and was destined for judgment for 40-something years. And we think, what a great man, and we compare ourselves to these men of Scripture. But I want to let you look at something today. Start in verse 7 of Jeremiah 20 of our text. Oh, Lord, this is Jeremiah talking. Listen to what he's saying. Ponder what he's saying here. Oh, Lord, thou hast deceived me. And I was deceived. 
Thou art stronger than I and hast prevailed, and I am desertion daily. Everyone mocketh me. Well, it don't sound like a very mighty man there, does it? Don't sound like a very godly man there, does it? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. In these next few minutes, Father, I pray that you would give me the words to say that this message that you've laid so boldly and clearly on my heart, Lord, to help us to understand you, to help us to understand our weaknesses and and how frail we are in your sight. Lord, lead and guide in these next few minutes as I proclaim the good news of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Oh, Lord, you've deceived me. He is talking almost like a servant that has been enticed, that has been, that have been uh, uh, drawn away and, and enticed and almost seduced and taken advantage of. That's what Jeremiah is saying about God. You, 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 you've brought me here and, and now look at me. Well, see, let's back up. Why would he say that in the first part of chapter 20 and the end of uh, chapter 19? He has a message for the king uh, and, and it, for Israel, and, and he brings some of the elders with him. He delivers the message saying, you need to turn, you need to repent, or God's going to send judgment. And he even gets sort of explicit about the judgment. Now he names who God's going to use to bring judgment on Israel. He names Babylon. See, Israel has been sinning and sinning and sinning, and God has been sending his prophets over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And it looks like they have revival for a while, and then they fall back, and then they come, they're just back and forth. And finally God says, okay, that's enough. You've disobeyed me long enough. Now I've got to bring judgment. So what we all know happens is that the Babylonians and several other uh, ally together and they overtake Israel and they go into captivity for 70 years. This is the time that Jeremiah is talking about. Jeremiah was a prophet during that time. Jeremiah went into captivity and he had just delivered this warning once again. And you know what they did? They beat him and put him in stocks overnight. For what he was saying to them. They didn't want to hear it. And what it means to put in stocks, if you don't know, you know, they take the wooden things and, and they chain you to it like this. So it's sitting down. I can't do it. But they'd be sitting down and their hands stretched forward and their feet and ankles locked. And that's the way they sit all night long. Nice way to sleep. Y'all try sleeping that way. Not to mention the beating that he just got for 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 doing that. And this is the way he was treated all night. And then the next morning they come and released him and talking anymore. And this is Jeremiah's prayer to, prayer to God. I did what you wanted me to do, Lord. I've tried to do right in your eyes. I, I've tried to do exactly what you've told me to do. And look what it's got me. Wow. Somebody's sitting here today and saying, I know exactly how he feels. Some of you are sitting there saying, oh, how dare he? Pray for the rest of them. Because if you've never come to that point in your life, make sure I'm right in saying this. You've probably never done enough for the Lord. Because if you're doing something for the Lord, Satan don't like it. And he knows where to and when exact time to attack you. And if he can get in your mind and get you to thinking that God's turned on you, he's going to win. He will defeat you. He will destroy you. Uh, he'll bring you down. And, and those that are sitting there all pious and, oh, how dare he? Wow, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, how dare you think such a thing to a holy God. No, it's not right. I'm not saying it's right, but it's absolutely a human response. 
when the devil is attacking you, you're trying to do what you know you should do, and you're, you're wanting to do things to please the Lord, and it just seems like nothing's working out, and this is where it's got me. I can't do no better than this, and, and Lord, you have deceived me. I mean, after all, the TV preachers say, if you give your tithes to them, you're going to have a big house and a fancy car, right? That's a lie from Satan. God doesn't promise you a big house and a fancy car. He didn't promise you a big checking account. He didn't promise you that you'll have a great, wonderful job. He promised you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That means he's in the fiery furnace with you. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? When the king looked in, there wasn't three. There was four. The Lord was in there with them. That's what he promised you. But if Satan can make you think that, and and if you look at this verse here, you deceived who? Me. I was deceived. I. You are stronger than I. And has prevailed over me. I am in desertion. And people mock me. That's Satan's number one tool. You know that? When he can get your focus off of him and you start focusing on you. Y'all listen to me today. I'm speaking from my heart. Satan knows if he can get in your mind and get you to start thinking about only you, you're not going to be thinking about him. And he'll get to your soul mind so twisted up, the next thing you'll be saying is, God, you deceived me. How could you do this to me? After all that I've done for you, Lord, how could you have done this thing? Jeremiah was in a terrible situation. See, and and, and he's even questioning, I think, his calling. Uh, He had preached the word of God to the people, and and they rejected what he said. They didn't want to hear it. Uh, They they beat Jeremiah for saying they locked him up all night just because he told them to to return to the Lord. But see, Jeremiah, if you look back in the Jeremiah chapter 1, you see where God called him. He says, then the word of the Lord, this is uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I set you apart, is what he's saying. I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And then Jeremiah goes to argue, oh, Lord, y'all, you know, I, I can't speak for I'm just a child. Jeremiah was probably in his early 20s when God called him. Oh, young, that's too young to be a preacher, right? But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I'm a child, for thou shalt go to do all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. He said, Don't worry about being young. I'll give you my words. And the words I give you, you just make sure you speak them. God's calling Jeremiah here. And then he says, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. That is what I pray every time I stand to speak. Lord, don't let Kenny talk. Lord, give me the words you want me to say. And the Lord tells him, he says, See, I have set this day, set over thee. Uh, I have set this day. See, I have set... I have this day set thee over the nations, that's tongue twister, and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. See, God called Jeremiah for a specific purpose, to to deliver his message to the people. And now Jeremiah, in chapter 20, is struggling even with that call. 
with a personal call of God that says, I'm going to give you the words. You're not too young. I'm going to protect you. But all Jeremiah thinks, because Satan is just playing such terrible tricks on him, you've deceived me. You've enticed me to believe something that I'm not sure what's even going on. See, Jeremiah was in a low spot. And what I'm wanting you to see this for is I'm not trying to bring Jeremiah down. I'm trying to help you understand that when you look at Scripture and you get so defeated and and you look at these great men of God and you say, there's no way I could do this. These men and women were just like us. Same thoughts, same hurt, same trouble, same depression, same anxieties that we have. They're no different, and God brings that out for us. Uh, I, I hope that encourages you to know that you're not alone, that you're not the only one that's ever done that. Let's look at verse 8. After he says, you deceive me and entice me and everybody mocks me, he keeps on saying, talking about me and I. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and desertion daily. Jeremiah proclaimed God's message, but the people ignored him and mocked him. They thought he was crazy. You ever seen people t- treat a Christian like they were crazy because they were pr- proclaiming the, the gospel? the gospel or proclaiming God's word and and now Jeremiah has done this for years and years and years and after years and years and years of preaching and and teaching and doing what God he felt God had called him to do with not much of results I wonder if by that words that Jeremiah is saying if he's beginning to wonder himself maybe I wasn't called Maybe I wasn't where I should be. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I should have. Maybe I should have just went on and been a policeman. Maybe I should have went on and been a contractor. Maybe I picked the wrong thing. Maybe I thought I heard, but I heard wrong. I don't know who this message is for. But do you see how Satan can deceive and trick and make your mind start playing games? I I talked to a guy yesterday that his son was called in the ministry, and and he said, can he be honest with you? He says, uh, he's lost his mind. He's called in ministry. He went on and got his degree, and he's got a doctorate in theology and all the rest, but he went through some difficult times, and it's been four years now, and he hadn't hardly darkened the door of a church. Told him, I'll pray for him. Because see, Satan has got him deceived into believing that God never really called him. That God never put him there. And because of some difficult times, he threw in the towel and he quit. He gave up. And we see Jeremiah struggling here with this same thing. It's difficult to do something year after year after year after year with not much results. And Jeremiah is getting frustrated with, with a pretty, pretty reasonable though, right? Was beaten and was put in stocks, was pretty, treated pretty bad. He was imprisoned and all the rest. We haven't ever experienced that. And then Jeremiah makes a statement in verse 9. After he said, you deceived me, they mocked me. My message was a reproach. They didn't want to hear it. Uh, they, they ran every time I came and they made fun of me. Verse 9, then he says, Then I said, I will make, not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. I give up. I throw in the towel. I quit. I'm not even going to talk about you anymore, God, because they don't want to hear it. You've deceived me. You've enticed me. I'm not even sure I was called. I'm not sure I'm supposed to be a Sunday school teacher. I'm not sure I'm supposed to be at this job even witnessing to these people. I'm not sure of anything anymore because I'm a laughingstock of the whole community. Do you know what? I'm just not even going to talk about you more, Lord. I can't do it anymore. 
Didn't I say Jeremiah was a great man of God in Scripture? And he was. But I wanted you to see the struggles that even great men of God go through. That God does great and mighty things through. But they're still human beings with struggles just like mine and yours. You're not alone in your struggle. Satan is very, very, very. If you get anything today, I want you to understand spiritual warfare and Satan is more powerful than you could ever imagine. He can get in your mind and make you think things that are not so and make you think God doesn't love you, God doesn't care about you, God never asked you to be a Sunday school teacher or children's director or youth pastor or or music minister. God never did that. That was all you're doing. You messed up, and you'll start thinking that way. And the next thing you know, you say, you know what? He's right. I quit. I'm not going to do it anymore. Well, it's an encouraging message, isn't it? I hope that it is. I hope you're seeing a great, this is a great man of God that God did great things through. But he had a difficult time. He went through these difficult situations just like you and I do. But I like the next part of verse 9. See, see, I gave you the first part of it. Just give you exactly how he was feeling. But let me show you how he was really feeling. He said that I'll not mention you anymore nor speak anymore in your name, Lord. But his words, word was in my heart as a burning fire. Shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. I can relate to that. I mean, there's been times in my life that I thought, what's the use? Why do it? Uh, Even been here. But you know, God has given me a great desire in my heart to want to know him and want to help others know him. And I, I, I tried. I, I went through, uh, uh, Robin and I went through some times one time, and I guess for a moment uh, we threw in the towel. We've been active in church our whole uh, married life. I was active in church when I was a teenager. I was teaching youth group as a teenager. God had plans for me, but I went through a period where I said, you know what, I'm done. But you know, I was the most miserable person on earth because this fire in my heart would not quit. I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell people about God's grace and his mercy and his kindness and to sit and to tell someone and to see a light bulb go off and they say, I got it, I understand God's word for the first time. There is no greater joy to me as your pastor. There's no greater joy. That's that fire in there. See, that's what the Holy Spirit gives you is a fire in your bones. And and if you're a true child of God and you truly understand God's grace and his love and his mercy... You don't have to have a doctrine in theology. You just understand what he did for you. That puts a fire in your bones, as Jeremiah is saying. And there's no way you can keep silence knowing what God has done for you. The problem is a lot of times we don't understand what God's done for us. We want to bring our focus to us and not him. I got to move quickly. This fire in my bones, I could not stay. I could not keep silent. I couldn't quit telling them about God's mercy and how he loves them and he wants them to return to him. Then Jeremiah goes on and he talks about the, I think from that point, that low point, he said, but this fire in my bones. And I think he begins to think about what God's done. And then he begins to remember God's promises Uh, He said, for I've heard the defaming of many and fear on every side. 
Report, say they, and we will report it. And all the, the familiar watching for my halting. He said, people are looking for me to fall and looking for me to fail. Uh, Pre-adventure, he will be enticed and he shall prevail against me. That's what they're saying about him. And we shall take our advantage of him. That's what they're saying about Jeremiah. He's just really struggling right now. But we'll look at verse 11. The divine but. But the Lord is with me. See, Jeremiah begins to remember the promise of God. You remember back when I said that I read you the, the call of God on his life? He says, I'll give you the words to say. I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll protect you. I'll put my words in your mouth. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, my persecutors shall stumble and they shall not prevail. They shall uh, be greatly ashamed and they shall not prosper. The everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. So he's remembering Jeremiah 1.8, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. You say, well, that's all right, but I, I'm not a prophet to Israel, and I don't preach to them the doom and, and all the rest, but I don't have the enemies Jeremiah did. Yeah, you do. Whether you know it or not, you've got the same enemy. And his name is Satan. He's the one that wanted to come to kill and destroy what God wants to do through you. Same enemy. And read verse 11 the next time Satan wants to come up and defeat you and tell you God doesn't love you and doesn't care about you and you're a laughing stock and, and, and you'll never amount to anything because you're nowhere near to what the patriarchs of the Bible are. Just tell Satan, but the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, Satan, you will stumble. Take verse 11 and put Satan's name there instead of the, prosecute, the, the persecutors. And they, and Satan shall not prevail. Satan shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not, for Satan shall not prosper. Satan's everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. Do that next time Satan starts wearing you out. Take that verse 11 right there and just put his name there. Put him in it. Well, I got to be careful of that. Because a lot of people, oh, claim it in, in Jesus' name and rebuke Satan. You better be careful with that. Satan's pretty powerful. He's not as powerful as Jesus. But you better be do it, sure you're doing it in the name of the Lord because God told you to. Okay, just a little sidebar for you there. But forget in your mind where Satan belongs. He is the great confusion. He confuses and he destroys and, and, he, and, and God is with you. The Lord is with you. He's not going to overthrow Satan. And then uh, Jeremiah begins to remember that promise of the Lord. And then he just breaks out in praise. Two or three verses ago, he, you deceived me. You've tricked me. I'm a Mackin laughingstock. But, oh, Lord of hosts, he says in verse 12, that triest the righteous and seest the reins of my heart. Let me see thy vengeance upon them, for unto thee have I opened my cause. I've done everything that you've told me to do. Unto you is the only reason I do what I do. Lamentations 3, and I, I know i got to go, but I, this is so important. I want you to, to write these verses down. He wrote, Jeremiah wrote Lamentations 3. Verses 19 through 24. Uh, here again, he's lamenting over Israel and their bondage. And, and he's just pouring out his heart to God and worshiping. He says, remember, O Lord, my afflictions and my wanderings and the wormwood and the gall of bitterness. My soul continually remembers them and, and is bowed down within me. In other words, I'm just down and out inside. But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. It is because of the Lord's loving kindness and that, he, that we are not consumed. 
Y'all understand that it just God, he, the one that holds back the, sand, the oceans with just a strip of sand, just at the snap of his finger or just a spoken word of his mouth, he could consume every one of us. Jeremiah acknowledges that and worships him for that, that you're loving kind of, all you have to do, Lord, is speak a word, but you're so full of grace and you're so full of mercy, you don't do that. He said, we're not consumed because he is tender and compassions never fail. There's a song after this. They, they are new every morning. Great beyond measure is your faithfulness, Jeremiah says. The Lord is my portion, my inheritance, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him and wait expectantly for him. When things aren't going right... Why don't you just try next time in whatever way that you do it, whatever way that the Lord has for you to worship. And Satan's trying to deceive you and say you'll never measure up and you'll never be worth anything and, and, and God doesn't look. Why don't, as hard as it is, I know it's hard. Been there. When you're down and out on the inside with all that is in you, ask God's Holy Spirit to help you to worship him. So what? I'm telling you that God inhabits our praise. And you want to get out of your low area and your area of depression and hardship and all, just begin to worship him. And see what he does. See that he restores you, that he that he gives you hope, that he gives you strength, that he gives you peace in your darkest times. That's what Jeremiah was doing here. In the middle of all this Complaining, he just says, you know, that's not right. God's promised me all more. His promises are far greater than my thoughts. I'm going to just worship him for who he is. He goes on down to verse 13. He says, sing unto the Lord, praise ye the Lord, for hath delivered the souls of the poor from the hand of the evildoers. See, Jeremiah was just praising the Lord right in the middle of his depressed state and hardships he just broke out in praise and I think it helped Jeremiah and I, now I don't know I wonder and I tried to find out and I'm not sure but the next few verses from 14 to 18 I'm not sure if they you know a lot of times we've been talking in our Wednesday night that we need to get in our minds sometimes that just because it's the next verse doesn't mean it happened in the next moment they were recorded in different times and periods. And, and I think Jeremiah broke out in praise as he had been in stocks all night and been beaten. And, and he understood God's promise, remember his promise, and just broke out in praise to God and, and began to do what God called him to do. That's what you should do. That's why he was a great man. It wasn't because he wasn't sinless. It wasn't because he was perfect. It's because when he knew uh, when difficult times came, when Satan was trying to defeat him and destroy him, he knew who to go to for help. And he began to worship God. And I don't know that verse 14 happened in the next moment, but that's the next verse we got. Jeremiah is right back again at it. Cursed be the day that I was born. Let not the day within my mother bear. Uh, let not the day wherein my mother bear me be blessed. Cursed be the man that brought tidings to my father, saying, A man child is born unto thee, making him very glad. And let that man be in the cities which the Lord overthrew, and repent not, and let him fear then cry in the morning, and and shout in the noontime. Because he slew me from the, uh, because he slew me not from the womb, for that my mother might have been my grave and her womb to be always great with me. Wherefore came, wherefore came I forth out of the womb to see labor and sorrow, that my days should be consumed with shame. He right back at it, isn't he? He he's just down, down, down. He says, "Oh, wait a minute, the promises of the Lord." I'm going to praise him. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for all you've done. Well, I wish I was never born. Wow, Jeremiah. Wow, Clint. We can put it on our, put our name, can't we? 
That was my son-in-law, so I could say that to him. I was afraid to say it to anybody else. But aren't we just like Jeremiah? Up and down, up and down. Up. But the thing is, we need to just remain faithful. We need to remember his promises. And when we get down and out, just praise him for all that you have. Just start out whatever way you can and ask God's Holy Spirit to help you. He will. He did it for Jeremiah. And Jeremiah went on to do great things. This is the last recording other than Lamentations that we see in the book of Jeremiah that he, that he was frustrated and lamented over his own situation. He was done with it after this chapter. The rest of the book of Jeremiah, he's just proclaiming the message of God. All the way until they went into captivity. But see, I want you to put yourself in his shoes. I want you to look and see that, that, that Satan is powerful even to the mightiest men in the Bible. Don't you think he can deceive you too? And me? He absolutely can. Don't let him do that to you. Don't let him defeat you and destroy you and, and to bring you down. Uh, that's all he's after. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. Know that, but know that the Lord is with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He's called my life for a purpose. You may not be a preacher, but each and every one of you are called for a purpose, for his good. See, we need to look at the bigger picture here and, and see that it's all about God and not about me. We need to take the me's and the eyes out of our complaints and just start looking to the one who provides, the one who's called, the one who says that he will give you the words, he'll give you the strength. They'll not be, you'll not be defeated because of me, he says. See, Paul struggled with these things and and he says, woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel and all the things that he went through. And, and you say, well, well, Brother Kenny, nobody cares anymore. Nobody wants to hear God's word like Jeremiah. Yeah, Isaiah thought the same thing. And, and he says in Isaiah 55, just write it down and I'll glance over it. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, he's talking about the rain and the snow that come down from heaven and they water the grass and, and bring it forth and the, and the grass brings forth in buds that it may give seed to the sower and, and bread to the eater. And then God says in verse 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. He said, just like the rain and snow comes, it doesn't come for nothing. It waters the grass. And it brings forth buds, which bring forth seeds, which feeds people. And he says, just like that, my word comes down. And where you think it doesn't mean anything, he says, it doesn't return to me void. See, it, it comes down and it waters. And buds grow. And seeds come out, and it returns to me as something useful. It returns to me as something you. That's what he's saying about my. So don't be afraid to share God's word, even if they don't want to hear it. God promised, my word is not going to return void. Jeremiah understood that, I believe. But it shall accomplish, he says in verse 11, that which I please. And it shall prosper in the things whereto I send it. See, if you find yourself too weak to serve or to give or do what God has called you to do, consider this. Has God called you? Well, you know, he ain't called me to be a preacher. You might say, has God called you? He absolutely has. If you're his child, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. God's got a calling on your life. No matter who you are, there's some kind of thing God has for you. So if he's called you, then he promises you that he will equip you and he will enable you. Are you obeying his commands by faith? Are you obeying what he's saying when it doesn't make sense? When Satan's trying to beat you up, do you just pers persevere on and say, I'm going to keep doing what he says. I trust him more than I do anything else. Then he 
is with you to protect you. Are you sharing the word? Then he will accomplish his purpose no matter how the people respond. I hope this has encouraged you as you live your lives and, and you go day to day and you're trying to do what God's called you to do and, and uh, I know it can be difficult. Matter of fact, if you're not having too much difficulty, you might want to check up and see what you're doing for the Lord. Just to be honest. Because those throughout Scripture had a lot of difficulties because they were serving God. And Satan don't like that. But if you're not doing anything at all for him, you're no threat to Satan at all. And he's not going to bother you. Think about that. But if you're serving the Lord, Satan's going to try his best to tell you, get you to say, I won't speak of him anymore. I quit. That's Satan's number. If he can't get your soul... And he hasn't done that because you've justified Jesus your personal Savior. The next thing he can get, the next best thing for him to do is to shut your mouth where you don't tell anybody else about God's love and what he's done for you. Don't let him win. Praise God in the midst of your storms. Praise God when it doesn't seem right. Trust him no matter, I'll never leave you, I'll forsake you. No matter what you think about what they want to hear about my word, God says, my word's not going to return void. You speak it. I'll do with it what I want to, to fulfill my purpose and my plan. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love and for, Father, we ask that you just forgive us for our shortcomings and Lord, we fall so, we're so feeble and we, we're so enticed and drawn away from the truth of who you are. Lord, you're not the deceiver, but Satan is. And he deceives us and distracts us on a daily basis. Lord, but you promise you'll be our provider, our helper, that he won't win as long as we're looking to you. Lord, help us. In our everyday lives as we try to live and, and minister as the way you have called us to minister. I pray for each and every person here. Lord, I, I pray that this is an encouragement to know that they're not alone in this battle. That they're not the only ones that have ever felt this way. Lord, wrap your loving arms around them. Show them your tender mercies and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.